Hello, I'm Danine Rasmus. Welcome to another episode of the Weekly Wrap. To our first-time listeners, this is a podcast in which I will tell you about some of the top articles from the latest edition of Farmers Weekly magazine. And we also take a look at the week's biggest agricultural news stories. In the 7 August issue, which will be on shelf from today until next week, Friday, the 7th of August, Dr. Donnie Widendall, director of the Veterinarian Network, writes about a complete 12-month herd management and traceability system that he has developed and implemented for ZZ2's livestock herds in Limpopo. Readers can learn about a program being run by the Overberg Renosterfeld Conservation Trust in cooperation with farmers from this part of the Western Cape to conserve the last remaining pockets of critically endangered Renosterfeld. Also read about a farmer from Riesburg who in 2018 broke the record for the highest canola yield ever produced in South Africa. And about the Makawana Farmers Stockfell a financing initiative which is supporting emerging farmers in Kuruman in the Northern Cape to become commercially successful. In our main article this week, Dr. Donnie Widendahl writes about how he worked together with ZZ2's large beef cattle division to develop a 12-month herd management plan which incorporates a complete traceability system. Widendahl says their first priority was to synchronize synchronize the 12-month production cycle of the cattle with the 12-month environmental cycle because the start of the project coincided with the end of a severe drought in Limpopo. At the time, the herd was calving throughout the year, which made planning almost impossible. Secondly, says Winnendahl, they had to establish a biosecurity plan to eliminate specific diseases that could pose a health hazard for consumers. And thirdly, all animals had to be tagged with electronic tags, and the record keeping had to reflect all of the management action taken on the farm. Widendahl says in the article that in order to use all natural resources optimally, a strict controlled breeding policy must be implemented. Controlled breeding, he says, is used to ensure that the cows calve within a short period of time for the most effective utilization of natural grazing. As he explains it, synchronizing the cow's highest nutritional needs with the period of the highest nutritional availability on the felt, together with an effective grazing plan, is the most important management goal for profitable cattle farming. What they ultimately developed with this program was a 12-month production cycle for breeding females as well as other animals in the herd. This production cycle is divided into four distinct production periods, each with their own critical control points. And this plan also addresses what Widendahl says is one of the key challenges for developing and implementing an animal identification and traceability system. What they ultimately developed was a 12-month production cycle for breeding females, as well as other animals in the herd, which is divided into four distinct periods, each with its own critical control points. This plan also addresses what Wirendahl says is one of the key challenges for the development and implementation of animal traceability systems. 
and that is that it only makes sense to implement such a system if it gives the farmer better or differentiated access to the market or if it results in a premium earned for the product sold. In our crop production feature this week, readers can learn more about canola or rapeseed farming. In 2018, Malt van der Westezen of Mariasburg broke the record for the highest canola yield ever produced in South Africa. He says he never suspected the harvest would be one of his best, never mind a record breaker averaging about 3,4 tons per hectare. Their yields, he said, averaged around 2 tons per hectare since they first started incorporating canola in their weed rotation system in 2014. And while Van Avesaisen said he would have liked to attribute his success to something he did, it was predominantly caused by climatic factors that were out of his control. But there are certain management practices farmers can implement to give a canola crop the best chance of success. And this, says Van Avesaisen, includes doing the right thing at the right time. He tries to get all of his planting done before the end of April and preferably in moist soil, by May all the canola needs to be in the ground. Soil preparation before planting is just as important, says Van Avestazen, as the environment needs to be established in which the canola plants will thrive. To identify soil deficiencies and imbalances, he conducts soil analysis once every three years on every second hectare and then gets a company which has precision equipment to address imbalances at a variable rate to ensure that each area is treated correctly. One thing that Van Avestazen did do differently in 2018 from the previous years was to replace the cultivar he was using. At the time it was Ahola 50, which is a long-season grower, with a new short-season grower called Diamond. He says that planting a short-season grower helps to reduce climatic and production risks by reducing the number of days up to flowering by about 20 days. Another story from the Western Cape. Farmers in the Overberg have partnered with the Overberg Renostefeld Conservation Trust to help protect the Renostefeld areas on their properties. Renostefeld is one of the planet's most threatened habitats and this program, known as the Conservation Easement Program, offers willing landowners the chance to put a title deed restriction in the form of a conservation servitude over their land in perpetuity. Farmers who are willing to show this level of commitment are rewarded by the assistance they receive towards the restoration and improved management of their Renosterfeld habitats and associated watercourses. To date, farmers have committed about 2,700 hectares, and the trust has helped several of these farmers with funding to put up new livestock fencing and to conduct controlled ecological burns and alien clearing. Emgiel Lotter, one of the participating farmers who signed 370 hectares of Renosterfeld into conservation, said that for years he believed the felt areas on his farm had no value when compared to his production lands, and he only saw it as a resource for some limited grazing. However, now that he understands how unique and special this felt is, he has committed to looking after it to the point where he envisions probably never grazing this part of the farm again.
And now a story from Kuruman in the Northern Cape. A group of emerging farmers from this area came together to form the Makawana Farmers Stockfell. The farmers decided to start working together and to assist one another with resources during the drought. The Stockfell also functions as a financing initiative to support the participating farmers to become commercially successful. Earlier this year, the Makawana Farmers Stockfell established a sheep farming business. Each member of the Stockfell was already farming with sheep in their individual mixed farming operations. But through this collective sheep breeding initiative, they hope that they can breed more sheep faster to grow their businesses. Let's quickly look at some of the top news from the 7 August issue. Agritourism in South Africa has been non-existent since the start of the COVID-19 lockdown, which has had a severe impact on the livelihoods of people living in South Africa's rural areas. This was according to Jackie Taylor, founder and managing director of Agritourism South Africa, who said the impact on the rural economy, particularly those areas located closer to the cities where tourism is more prevalent, still needed to be exactly quantified, but they believe that the economic impact will be felt for years to come. She said agritourism consisted of various segments, such as hunting, hiking, camping, as well as self-catering accommodation and farm tours. And all of these operations have been severely affected by the lockdown regulations. Taylor said the longer-term impact would be the closing down of rural tourism businesses. And she added that if rural tourism was to completely collapse, there would be an influx of people seeking employment in cities. The Institute for Poverty, Land and Agrarian Studies, or PLAS, at the University of the Western Cape, recently hosted a webinar to provide some insight into the current status of land reform in South Africa. According to Dr. Farai Mtero, a senior researcher at PLAS, land reform was originally expected to create new livelihood and employment opportunities for smallholder farmers. Yet there is growing evidence of elite capture. According to Matero, the overall trajectory of land reform in South Africa had increasingly become anti-poor. This was evident, he said, from a two-year project that looked at 62 land reform projects across the Eastern Cape, Free State, KwaZulu-Natal Northwest and the Western Cape. The findings of the study revealed that 44% of these land reform projects were accumulated through affluent business people who have substantial sources of income before being allocated a farm. The research also indicated that about 11% of projects were accumulated through recapitalization of state report. Matera said that these beneficiaries rely on political influence and networks to access land. And in some cases, they have access to a few different streams of government funding. South Africans have been urged to join the fight against honey fraud. Beekeeping associations, as well as the public, is being encouraged to assist Ipumulelo Agribusiness Solutions by reporting cases of fake honey being offered for sale. This was according to a statement by the organization as well as the Western Cape Bee Industry Association in which they said that low-priced fake honey was being labeled as pure honey and illegally sold. To date, 14 incidents have been reported, which resulted in several successful raids and the confiscation of large amounts 
of suspicious honey products. Laboratory tests showed that some of the confiscated goods from supermarkets, butcheries, and grocery stores that were raided, and from individuals acting as agents and selling these products, were in fact non-honey products. According to the organization, fake honey could be identified by the price difference. They found products being sold for about 35 rand per 500 grams, compared with 90 to 125 rand for similar authentic products. Before we end off, a quick look at some of the top performing news stories from our website this week. The first ever commercial harvest of blueberries in Namibia recently commenced on the banks of the Okavango River, in northern Namibia. This 20-hectare project is considered a forerunner for other high-value crops that could be produced under irrigation in the semi-arid country. This was according to Willem Morstad, the manager for cherry irrigation in Namibia. This company is in charge of irrigation and, fer and fertigation management for the project. Ruli Fenter, CEO of the Namibian Agricultural Union, said if more high-value agricultural products were produced in the country, it would become less dependent on imports. Also, labor-intensive initiatives such as blueberry production would increase job opportunities and open valuable opportunities to earn foreign currency. The 2020 harvest was expected to continue late into October, and so far a projected yield of about 120 tons of blueberries is expected for the season, but this will most likely double by the end of 2021. Fuel prices are said to go up again in August despite a stronger round. This was according to the Automobile Association, which said that as matters currently stood, petrol was likely to increase by 9 cents and 16 cents a litre, diesel by 48 cents and paraffin by 43 cents. According to the AA, oil traded in a fairly tight range throughout July, but there was a substantial climb at the beginning of, of the month, plus some recent volatility that combined to push prices higher. Thankfully, the stronger round took the edge of August's fuel price hike. Courtney Lowe, the senior economist at Grain SA, said farmers would definitely be affected by the increase, as many producers in the summer grain areas are still harvesting, and soil preparation will also start soon. That was it for this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Weekly Wrap. Join me again next week when I will we'll be discussing some of the features from the 14 August issue with articles on a free state farmer who decided to stop grain production and instead concentrate fully on producing planted pasture to support his beef cattle business. We also feature an essential oils farming project in the Eastern Cape that is creating jobs and opportunities for poor rural communities. And if you are looking for an investment opportunity beyond the borders of South Africa, Peter de Waal, a local winemaker, says Slovenia, where he recently invested in a small vineyard, might just be the answer. Remember to follow us on social media for all the latest farming news updates. We are on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn at Farmers Weekly SA. Until next week, stay safe and happy farming.